The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Cool. Adventures and ways to get kicked off the radio. Well, the podcast, whatever. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, everybody, and welcome as the kickoff presents the greatest of all teams, part one of eight. Okay, we kind of lied. We're going to do these division by division instead of doing two divisions at once, just because we're also going to hit you guys up with the news and notes of the week in the NFL and college football as well. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual the producer turned co-host Eric Watkins. I think Jason's taking the part owner thing a little bit too seriously. The co-host turned producer Brandon Biscoping. Eric, you suck. Stop. Why? Why? Why are you confusing the the listeners, Harry? Why are you changing your mind all the time? Stop flip flopping. What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. First you say no one thing one week, about. then you say another thing another week. I genuinely have no idea what the f- you're talking about. For last week you said we were going to do it to both oh, conferences. Okay, that. Oh, that. Yes, yeah, that. that that's yes, all. yes, that. Well, to, to steal a line from our truth, it's, this one's on me. My bad, y'all. And... The not-so-silent co-owner of the W2M Network, Jason Teasley. I just own part of you guys. The only part that matters. I'm going to, once again, repeat a lot I've used many times on this show. I cannot be bought. I can, however, be rented. And rent is cheap. I could make a really (laughs) bad joke right now, but I won't. Depends I could make the worst one right now. Well, you are you and I are probably thinking along okay. the same lines. All right. Allow me to say this then. Family show! <laughs> Went out of the way early this week. Yeah, for the, the first time ever, Bisco got involved in one. The circle is complete. I, I, think, this, I think this officially means the world is coming to an end. Snow in New York in May, and I'm getting a family show. And all okay. other craziness that's going on in the world. Release the murder hornet. Yes, that too. Did you guys see what's in, what's in store for June? It's Gator Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I did see. Well, our well, chainsaw bears. I, I did see. I did see the um, a meme of it was from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It says, "So have they? Have they? Are we early, or have they already surpassed the murder hornet test?" <laughs> Somewhere the University of Montana mascot and the University of Florida mascot are going to get together and shit's going to get real. <laughs> All right, so before we get started onto the actual portion of our show this evening, in honor of National Nurses Week, Eric, the floor is yours. Well, uh, let me give you a little story time with Uncle Squid here. It was just yesterday I took my mom. She was concerned, of course, being a little bit older. So we set up to go get her 
tested for COVID-19. We had all the information set up. That whole process was a breeze. We spoke to a very nice nurse based out of Rochester, Minnesota. Very sweet, very friendly. When we got there, it was a little bit of a maze going through the campus, but thankfully there were signs. We got through through all the layers of security, three of them, had all the info, they called everything in, set everything up. It was great. No contact. The nurses there, they were well protected. Thankfully, they had PPE, everything. We took the proper precautions on our end, wore our masks, everything was good. Got the results back today. Huge relief. She was negative. So, with all of this, I had been thinking. Now, first of all, getting the results back that quickly, I don't know if it helped or not that mom herself is a retired nurse. But with everything, she'd been in the nursing field for nearly 50 years before I finally talked her into retiring. She was an RN for just over 30. And we're talking everything. ER, critical care, intensive care, the works. You name it, she spent time in that department. I would either pick her up from work or she would come home early in the morning as she worked nights. She would talk about some of her things at work, what she went through. And I'm seeing all the commercials and all of these stories and what nurses are going through now. And I've got to tell you personally, to me, it is nothing less than absolutely amazing. And not only in my eyes, but I can speak for everybody else on this podcast and all of our eyes. These are the sacrifices that are going to be remembered the most when all is said and done. For all of this, to all the nurses who took care of my mom through every visit, every doctor's appointment, every checkup, all of your nurses out there right now helping these patients, helping their families, keeping these connections going. Thank you. You're the ones on the front lines, much as anybody. You're right alongside with the doctors, sometimes even more the doc- than the doctors. Every flag, every mural, every sign, every bouquet of flowers, every flyover, which we're going to get from the Blue Angels here tomorrow, everything you've more than earned it, hands down. And I just want to tell everybody, there is the saying, not all heroes wear capes. And this is absolutely true. Because a lot of them wear scrubs. A belated happy nurse's day, it was yesterday, and to all of you, a very happy and thankful nurse's Here's the deal. We're just four idiots doing a football (laughs) podcast that more often than not isn't always about football. We're having fun doing this. This is our escape from reality. And the scary thing is, is the reality we're trying to escape from is nothing compared to the reality they're facing every single day during this. You guys are doing the good work. You guys are out there putting yourselves on the line and making yourselves available in some cases, for people who are seeing their final days. None of us can imagine what you are going through. 
none of us would want to imagine what you are going through. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but you're willing to do it because it's what you signed up for when you wanted to be a nurse in the first place. Thank you. God bless. And my best wishes to you all. Yep. Definitely. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, definitely agree. And I'll say a couple of things as well. First off, Eric, yes, not all heroes wear capes, but these heroes do wear masks. Unfortunately, right now. Um, But, uh, also, how how did she say the test was? Because I've seen uh, videos and and stories of how horrible that that test is. It's her, invasive. For her, it was actually pretty easy since it was the swab. They did go up and they turned it a little bit, but she really no complaints on hmm. her end. Yeah, I mean, because I I've, I've heard that like they stick it like way up your nose. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Brandon, you just talked all over him while he was responding. I didn't hear either of you. Go go ahead, Eric. Oh, I was saying that the kind of the swabs that they use weren't quite what some people would call the brain tickler, but it was still very effective. Went in, turned it a bit, came out, and everything still got what they needed. So that was an extra blessing in all of this. Yeah, that's very good. And then one final thing, I hope that, and this time every team can do it, when we do eventually get baseball back, whether it's, you know, sometime this year or if it's not until next year, they need to, at least for the first game, if not for the first couple of games, maybe for the first week or week and a half or what have you, they need to have different nurses uh nurses and doctors from different hospitals in each area throw out the first pitch at every game jason you have former emt experience so you're probably the closest to the four of us on this line here uh yeah i mean i'm like i said uh my history goes through um being a first responder as an emt and I uh, worked alongside some wonderful nurses when I was an ER tech in, in Kentucky. And, you know, um, nurses, or as us EMTs call them, doctor helpers, um, they they don't really get the credit that they really deserve most times. And um, they go through a lot. It's um, seen it firsthand. It is a lot of mental and um, mental anguish and... Uh, I don't like to throw PTSD around, but working in the medical field, you do, you do develop a, a, um, form of PTSD, uh, because it is not a lie. You usually see people on the worst day of their life, uh, working in either on an ambulance or in an ER setting. So, yeah, um, to all my friends that are nurses that have may happen to listen to this or especially, you know, I, I know that I have a very special nurse in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and my cousin Sam that may also listen to this. Uh, I want to say thank you to all the nurses out there. And, you know, you guys are finally getting the respect that you rightfully deserve, even though it's at one of the country's uh, most trying times. To put it as simple as this, nurses, 
video chat here, gentlemen. We salute them. Yeah, I, I know a couple of nurses uh, myself from my time at CN Hall. There, it was a big nursing school, so hope hope everyone's staying safe and everything. Yeah, we're right. staying at home doing this podcast for you because you all are still working for us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right, so with that being said now, and for more information about uh, how you can reach out to help, make sure you guys check the various online sources. I'm sure there are plenty of options available. I'm sure there's got to be like nursing, like nursing dedicated charities mm-hmm. out there to look for. If if you want me to, uh, Eric, do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Once we finish, once we wrap up this episode, help me look up a couple. We'll attach a couple of uh, noteworthy nursing charities to the uh, episode link, so that Will we can do. like put it out there in case people want to donate or anything. But uh, all right, so to bring the mode. To bring the mood back up to where we usually are here on the kickoff, let's get started with our traditional part of the show here. And for this greatest of all teams, I've decided that we're going to kind of do a split format for the show. We're going to have one part of the show where we focus on our greatest of all teams, and that'll be how we close each show every week. Are you trying to get my attention, Eric? No. tapping something on your tablet? Tapping something on my phone. Okay. Just making sure. So yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to close with the greatest of all teams discussion here where we'll each reveal our, our players from each division that we chose and then debate as far as who goes where and which player actually represents that team on our overall list. We're going to open the conversation about football every week with news and notes, kind of are a similar to similar to our so that happened that we would traditionally do during the regular season. And since Jason brought this to our attention, Jason, I'll let so that happened on this instance start with you and the quarterbacks, both signed and unsigned. All right. Well, I'll kick us off here. <laughs> you see what I did there? Um, but, uh, uh, Do we have a uh, rib well, shot sound effect, Bisco? Don't unfortunately, even say it, Eric. no. Don't even say it, Eric. I um, mean, I but was not, not, Stop. Stop. But, Stop. Let's get let's get into this. All right. So uh, uh, on news and notes front, we did have a uh, particular uh, veteran quarterback going back to his Texas roots, as well as a quarterback who was once a highly touted uh, offensive weapon, uh, stating that he's going to accept a role of a backup if he could sign anywhere. With that being said, yes, Andy Dalton has went on and signed to become the um, soon-to-be starter, in my opinion, of the Dallas Cowboys, as well as Cam Newton, who is left uh, unsigned at this moment, has started sending fillers out to say that he would accept a backup role if a team is interested in him. Uh, I think this brings up a really interesting thing, especially... um, among us here at the W2M Network, because we all like to uh, bust Sean's balls over it. <clears throat> but it's the fact that um, Dak Prescott is was given the franchise tag, but yet has yet to sign it, which makes the signing of Andy Dalton a little bit more polarizing because uh, he now becomes a front runner to um, become a starter if Dak wants to play the holdout game. So I think it was a very, very 
um, proactive and strategic move on Jerry Jones's part. And, you know, being a Giants fan, I never give Jerry Jones uh, credit. So what do you guys think? And we'll start with Harry. What do you guys think about um, Dak, Dak not signing and then Dalton coming in and then what has what Cam has said? I have a friend of mine, a uh, Facebook friend of mine that I went to high school with. Her name is Talissa. She's a, uh, she's a very big Dallas Cowboy fan. And she was saying that she feels Dallas will be a lot better this year than they were last year because of the whole Mike McCarthy influence. And my exact response to her was, is McCarthy will make that team better. I am a firm believer in McCarthy. He's turned teams around before. I think that you guys have a better chance to win with Dalton than you do with Prescott in your offense, though. And if Dalton does become the day one starter in Dallas, <coughs> excuse me, I feel like. <coughs> Got the wrong. Now, damn it, I was going to, I wasn't going to say it. Apologies, uh, bat swallow on my crackers. All right. Uh huh. <laughs> that, that's Jason. what they all say. Shut up. Shut up, Jason. I see that look. All right. Anyway, I think I think Dalton fits the Dallas system better than uh, Prescott does at this point because you have wide receivers that I think that Dalton would be able to get the ball to better, and you have a running back who I think Dalton's going to be less likely to hold on to the ball for too long, whereas Prescott's more likely to take off, and I don't think it suits him having Elliott in the backfield. So realistically speaking, one year, $7 million, and only three of it's guaranteed. It's a steal for Dallas mm. for Andy Dalton. Eric. Personally, I thought it was smart. They didn't really see the development in Cooper Rush as a backup like they thought. So like Jerry Jones has done in the recent history, I mean, let's not forget he did sign Drew Bledsoe and was willing to go to veteran guys. You have a Texas man going ahead and running his Texas team. And again, you know what Andy Dalton is, both with and without help. Is he a little bit of a step back from Dak Prescott? Maybe. I would say at most a half a step. But you're saying, okay, if this doesn't work out with Dak, if we do wind up having to pay too much money, then guess what? See what Andy can do. And if he's the guy, we can sign him to another shorter-term contract, maybe two years, while we go ahead and we draft a quarterback. So I like the play, and if I'm Dak, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. Well, and you got to look. you got to look. Uh, next year's draft clap class is extremely deep at quarterback as well. So that also factors in. Mm-hmm. Bisco, your thoughts on Prescott and uh, Prescott Dalton in Dallas? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with Eric. I think uh, one thing I'll I'll disagree with Eric a little bit on is yes, Dalton has never been one of the top quarterbacks in the league or anything like that, but we've also never really seen him with a top notch offense around him. Yes, he's had pieces <laughs> around him. But he's never really had that dynamic offense overall that can support him. Now in Dallas, if given the opportunity, I think Dalton could be a very dangerous quarterback with those weapons. 
so I think it's definitely a good move on Dallas's part. I know it's shocking. Two Giants fans saying that giving props to Dallas. What kind of world well, are we living in right now? Well, not to mention, too, let's think about this from a uh, from another perspective. Really, Jason had to go to the crackers? <laughs> he can't hear me. His headphones aren't on yet. <laughs> I'll repeat so he can't hear me. Really, Jason, going to the crackers? Yeah, I got animal <laughs> crackers. For those who are wondering, we're doing a video chat while we're doing the podcast. That way we try not to talk over each other. But anyway, to what uh, Brandon just said, though, um, yeah, I would say that Cooper and uh, A.J. Green are probably about a wash in terms of a number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I would say that Gallup is at least as good as any other weapon that he ever had in uh, ever had in Cincinnati oh, yeah. as a number two. He's got C.D. Lamb coming in out of Oklahoma as well, who will have time to bond with if he does become the mm-hmm. starter before the season starts. Plus, I can guarantee they never had a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, the only one that I could even compare him a little bit to was Mixon, and that's a bit of a stretch to say he's as good as Elliott is. Well, you got a good one-two punch with Cooper Cooper and um, Gallup with the uh, addition through the draft this better year. So. One, better so. a one-two punch at wide receiver than a one-two punch and a three-punch even at running back. Yeah, and I, I look for Dallas to maybe make a sneaky, um, sneaky move right before the season starts and – I look for Dallas to add a, um, a, a upper tier tight end. Uh, two that come to mind that would be would be ideal. Uh, both came out was in the same draft class, which is OJ Howard in Tampa Bay and Dave Njuku in Cleveland. I could definitely see OJ Howard running out of Tampa Bay now that Gronkowski's there. If he takes away any of his playing yeah. time, easily, now, easily. Now I have an interesting question for you guys. Do you think at any point if Dak starts to struggle, if, you know, assuming he does start the season, if he starts to struggle, do we start hearing Dalton chants? Absolutely. Dallas fans are fickle. And with someone like Mike McCarthy willing to pull the trigger, he would. And the fact that Jerry Jones don't shell out money for players that he doesn't have some sort of interest in. So therefore I think Dalton has a, I think, I think Prescott is on a much shorter lease Mm -hmm. than what he was. Um, If you guys remember, I actually picked um, love to go to Dallas and become the heir apparent in Dallas, which would have been phenomenal. But I understand why Dallas did what they did at the draft position. But also, um, you also got to look, like I said, Dave Najuku, who is in Cleveland, who just sound Austin, uh, uh, Austin, is a Hopper, Hooper? Hooper, yeah, Indianapolis. No, from Atlanta. Oh, yeah, he's from oh, Atlanta. Yeah, he, yeah, he was in Atlanta, and he Atlanta, just went up. Me, yeah. yeah, he just went up, so that makes him expendable, and he is coming off injury, so Cleveland may want to try to move him to free up some cap space as well as some uh, capital down the line. So I think that I think that uh, that offense is missing right now is 
a leader because I do not think the Dak Dak is a leader. I think Dak is a solid middle of the road quarterback. I've went on record. I can name 15 people that I would love to have over Dak to build a franchise around. But with that being said, I think they're, they are a solid tight end away from actually going to the Super Bowl. I think that that's their only glaring offensive hole that they have is a, a solid shorthand tight end that could run a short to intermediate route just to help move change and be a check down for, some, for their quarterback. I think this is the thing that would be disappointing for Dallas too is the fact that Witten decided to go to retire once mm-hmm. again here because I think Jason Witten would have been perfect. Oh as yeah, a guy now, in this offense. Witten is, uh, is the Raiders. Witten went to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He's I, in Vegas now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Witten, I thought Witten retired again. No, he went nope. to Vegas. He went to Vegas. I guess he'd had one year too much of Jerry Jones. All right, what about the other quarterback that you had to discuss as well? You briefly mentioned it here, but we might as well bring it to discussion. Uh, Eric, hypothetically yeah. speaking, you have the uh, the talent personnel job in Jacksonville. Are you taking a chance on Cam Newton? Oh, if this was an offense like we had last year, not under Jay Gruden, I would say yes. With Jay Gruden and his system, I'm honestly not too sure. Now, would I at least try to take a flyer on any sort of an upgrade above Gardner Minshew? Yes, just to see in case. But I think with the quarterbacks we have on the roster, especially with Josh Dobbs, I like him with being a little bit lighter, still as fleet of foot, now more so than Newton, because of the various injuries, I think, honestly, it's a good too late. Even though we're young at receiver, we're finally starting to rebuild and upgrade at that spot. We're keeping Fernet because, well, it was a failure trying to get rid of him. I don't see him working in our system. Jason, you have the flyer personnel job in New York. Do you want to take a flyer on Cam Newton as a backup for Dan- for Daniel Jones? You're muted, Jason. Still muted. Mm. There you go. Right now. All right. All right. Um, uh, no, I don't think I would bring him in as a backup in New York because he is a high pro- prolific player. Uh, if Jones struggled the least, you'd start hearing fans become belligerent wanting Cam in. Honestly, uh, honestly, this is going to sound crazy. If he was to be a backup, a great backup place for him to land, in my opinion would be Seattle. Team him with Russell Wilson. Uh, they have similar styles. So the offense would not have something, you know, tragic happened to Wilson and he went down or missed a game or something. They have similar styles. So your offensive game plan wouldn't really uh, change very much. So I think that that would be a great fit if he did go into a backup role, is a some somewhere that has a quarterback style 
similar to what he's used to. So your offensive scheme doesn't have to change as much as it would um, bringing his type of his style into an offense, say, such as San Francisco or even New York, because, you know, somewhere that doesn't you want him to go where he can be a gunslinger that has adequate receivers, but doesn't have that premier running back that teams would lean on uh, to go forward. Also, I could see him going to somewhere and mentoring someone like Deshaun Watson or a Lamar Jackson. I think those are are all possibilities. I see him landing with a team that has a similar quarterback style so that offense doesn't, doesn't suffer in case their starter went down. Didn't Baltimore already do that with... Oh, go ahead, Brandon. Didn't Baltimore already do that with uh, RG3 last year? And that's what exactly what I was saying. Seattle and Houston, I can agree. But with Baltimore having RG3, they're pretty much set. And there's no need to have three quarterbacks with that kind of a style. But RG3, who would you rather have, Cam or RG3? Oh, definitely Cam, but... Really? I... Given what you're probably paying for, given what you're probably going to pay for both of them, RG three. That's true. Okay, yeah. I would take Cam. Overall, uh, overall, I would take Cam, but in terms of best bang for your buck, I would take RG three probably. All right, then let me ask you, Brandon. Would you want Would you want Cam as a backup in with the Giants as well? No, and here's the reason why. He's not. The Giants are not a system of offense that is conducive to Cam style. Now, granted, and and obviously everything that's been going on hurts him in this respect, but we don't know exactly how healthy he is. We don't know whether he's still going to be as prolific a runner as he has been in the past, and whether or not he's still able to run that uh, that college option style offense that he has in the past, but assuming that he is, I think the best landing spot for him is in is a place that either a already does run a similar offense like Houston, like Seattle, like we mentioned, or a place that either runs it already. And really, the only team that I can really think of that does this is in New Orleans, and they already have a couple of the guys that can do this. Or an offense, or a team that is willing to implement this sort of offense. And it would be hard this late in the game. But, basically use him as kind of a wildcat quarterback type, where... If you want to give your team a little bit more of a variety and that unpredictability, you bring him in for a couple of plays or a or a drive or what have you um, as a way to fool the defense and to also give your starter a little bit of a rest if needed. See... The uh, the thought was the question was posed on Buffalo Rumblings, which is the Bills USA Today sponsored page. I follow it on Facebook in order to talk to other Bills fans and kind of get the pulse of Bills Nation. 
And one of the questions that was asked there is, would you want Cam Newton as a Buffalo Bill? And a lot of people said no. I was one of those people who said no. And I said no for the exact same reason Jason said no. Because Josh Allen is a young quarterback who having Cam Newton on the roster would put pressure that doesn't need to be on him. And and that, I I agree with Jason as well there. And I think, unfortunately, Cam Newton, for a number of similar reasons, but that reason in particular, he is going to get the Tim Tebow uh, treatment where it's like, why are we willing to take this much of a risk having this popular of a quarterback on our team to be a backup and risk having that fan revolt. Now, granted, this year has a little twist to it though. Because if we do if it does turn out that they are playing in empty stadiums this year, teams may be more willing to take that chance because they don't have to re- they don't have to deal with the direct re- repercussions of a mediocre season. So that may be something that may play in Cam's favor. I don't know if I agree with that because I think that the backlash would still be there. It would just be more social rather than in person. But in that scenario, I think, and this is just me thinking just purely, you know, on an on a mental and emotional level, I don't think owners would care as much about social media reaction and, you know, radio talk show reactions and stuff like that from fans as they would hearing an entire stadium chanting for Cam. That's fair. And not to mention, too, that you wouldn't have the backlash of the audience booing or anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. To make a change. But, all right, let's continue on with our news and notes section here and... You have something else, Eric? Am I the only one that thinks that that page has missed something entirely by not being named Circle of Wagons? <laughs> I think the Bills actually own the copyright to that. If it's a Buffalo Bills like the page it's, and stuff, you're but it's going through USA to Today, the- not NFL team affiliated. Oh. Uh, somehow have a thing going just saying yes Jason I just want to throw this out there I just came across football guys uh, that the possible landing spot for Cam Newton will be one of our teams Jacksonville Jacksonville I'm guessing that is correct it just came across I I could see Um, Jacksonville is the front runner to land Newton as their backup. You know, I need to shut up when I say things. As I said a couple of weeks ago, just watch. He's going to be the one that will sign. Um, Thinking, no way that that could pop. If he signs with Jacksonville, he does not stay a backup for very long. Mark my words. Eric, tonight I pour one out for your sanity. Yeah, um, if anybody knows of any connections to acquire cannabis, please slide into my DMs. (laughs) 
all statements made by Eric Watkins do not necessarily reflect those of the W2M network. <laughs> Legal variations do apply. His statements do apply in Colorado, though, I believe. <laughs> and all Washington, right. a few others. Couple and others, California. yeah. I mean, I don't know the specifics, but I, I know there's a few that have legalized it. All right, let's move on here. Um, Eric, I feel this level of shenanigans is right up your alley. To an extent. I've never gone to the end result of this, though. What? Because granted. All right, wait, 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 wait. Before we start, in the interest of not getting sued. What the? In the interest of not getting sued, I have to say that this is all allegedly what happened. Yeah, and I mean, let's just say, I have my experience, a fair share of it, with hotel rooms. I know what goes on in there. I happen to know that things can occur between two, or in some of my cases, more than two consenting adults. However, there is typically some level of discretion, even when video cameras are involved. Everyone's got to understand that apparently with that level of discretion or lack thereof, Earl Thomas III didn't anticipate certain consequences, especially because he's married, especially because his wife discovered these things. And again, as Harry mentioned, there was a conversation, things escalated. Allegedly, there was allegedly a conversation. Allegedly, things escalated. Allegedly, she had a gun. Allegedly, said gun was pointed at him. I... That's why said gun was pointed at him, shall we? Who well, when you are allegedly engaging in certain congresses outside of the bounds of your marriage... And this is discovered that leads to problems. All right. So let's go ahead and try to be as try to be as discreet as we can when discussing this here. Cause I know we tend to get a little crass on occasion here on the show, but this is gonna be one of those ones we kinda have to tiptoe around. Cause I'm not trying to get sued for libel. The rumors and allegations are that Earl Thomas's wife, Nina Thomas, pulled a gun on him and held him at gunpoint when she walked in on Earl and his brother tag-teaming a woman. Tag-team, back again. Check your rectum, let's begin. Views <laughs> and opinions of Jason Teasley, unfortunately, do reflect those of the WGM network. And therefore, we're probably all going to be out of a job soon. Anyway, um, in all sincerity, though. We're, we're, we're safe. I own, I own the kickoff. We're safe. Here's, here's all I'm going to say about this, because realistically speaking, what's done in people's personal lives is really none of our business. Unless it happens to be on many vids or Pornhub <laughs> or XTube or AVN <laughs> or OnlyFans. Family show! He, he was just about to go and lift, list off every single site he could think of. Well, I, mean, I can't. It we would be here an extra half an hour. True. We're, we're already running long off of yeah. the Andy Dalton discussion. Let's get back to this here. All right. So 
what's done inside of the bounds of somebody's marriage is their discretion. What's done outside of the bounds of marriage is traditionally their discretion until it becomes a criminal matter and then people are going to discuss it. Because when you are a celebrity, like Earl Thomas is a celebrity, one of the best safeties in the NFL, and something like this comes out, I assure you, Mr. Thomas, people are going to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing. What you do in the privacy of your own bedroom is your decision. One, I don't have a brother. If I did, I damn sure wouldn't be doing that. Two, I'm a marriage is sacred kind of person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, it wouldn't have been an issue in the first place. Three, I don't care how pissed off you are at him. Leave his ass and take his money. Pulling a gun on him, Nina, it's about the dumbest damn mm-hmm. thing you could have done. Because now she'll probably have problems at, on that level that you're speaking of. Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. Don't, don't they have children together? I do not believe so. I've not heard about it. I'd have to do some research. Man, uh, he should have just Ray Reister. her. We I don't know. One day. <laughs> if you're trying to get us a sponsorship, we can't say that. And technically, if you're looking at that situation, he would have been at a disadvantage. Hold on, he hold on. Rice, she goes Lorena Bobbitt, except worse. <laughs> My she wife, my wife, I'm just saying, my wife pulled a gun on me. It's a level playing field. I will go Braun Strowman on her, and she will catch some hands. It might not be my hands. It might be I might throw a puppy or something at her. But you know, I won't get 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 up out there real quick. Well, last time you know. I checked, the bullet's faster than giving a two-piece, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, she's that close. I mean, if the reports are, she was, like, point-blank range. Holding a gun to his head. Yeah, uh, I mean... I mean... Physics is, is a hell of a drug. But um, if, if you're at point-blank range, the reaction time is about the same. She's not going to have. She's not going to be in the mental state and the, have the reaction time to pull a trigger before he can he can make a reaction to get out of said way. Allegedly, I'm just trying to keep us from getting sued. <laughs> Hey, well, we're Cadizus and Mero. We can't sprinkle allegedly's and stuff from our fingers, so we're doing our best. <laughs> Bisco, your thoughts on the whole situation? Um, you you be dumb. That that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, because I, I mean, I I completely agree with you, Harry. You know, he he played on himself, allegedly. Well, I mean, you got to look at this. Like Harry said, uh, you're in the public eye. Um, one, you you got to look at this two ways. And and I'm going to be serious for a minute, Lance Storm style. But on one hand, on one hand, you know, do you like half your stuff missing? On the other hand, do you want to pay a settlement for allegations? 
because you are in the public eye. You're going to you're going to take a hit either way. Because you are a celebrity, people know you have money. They are going to want said money. So it's either a it's either going to be hush money on one of two fronts. So I mean, I don't believe in stuff like that, but you know, you can do what you got to do. And you know, there might be like I said, there might there could be a ton of information that we don't know. Um you don't know what goes on in people's private lives. They could have, you know, for all we know, they could have a understanding of an open relationship of some sort and be like into polygamy or something. Who knows? If they are, you know, more power to them. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. No, nobody knows the real scenario. We get tidbits. We get stories spun to put a narrative where they want the narrative to be. So, you know, only thing we can go on is what little information we have and try to draw our own conclusions mm-hmm. and what narrative they want us to believe. Mm-hmm. Let, let me just say this. I, I, I said he was dumb, but she's also dumb, too, for the reasons that Harry mentioned as well. You know, pulling the gun and everything, allegedly, that just leads you to, you know... If you do now try to, you know, file for divorce and get half his stuff, you're going to have a bit of a problem in court because of your, you know, because your mental state is going to be brought into question. So, so you know, she could, she could have just left his ass and then, you know, it would have been done and she probably would have gotten half his stuff. Yeah. My guess is due to the fact that she responded the way she did, there is no kind of an arrangement for an open marriage. Yeah, no. and like Bisco, and like Bisco just said there. Realistically, the smart thing would have been to hit him where it really hurt, and that would have been the pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Walk away from his ass and be done with it. Yep, precisely. Go ahead, get a couple million, get a black card, get alimony, get whatever, and be on with it. Because knowing people who have been in polyamorous relationships and who have open marriages, if indiscretions occur like that with them. Is it bad? Are there conversations? Yes. Are there weapons involved with those conversations? No. no. You're on mute again, Jason. I don't know why he keeps muting his microphone. He doesn't want me to talk about the CFL. That's what it is. Oh, I see what it is. He he's making the motion that he's trying not to be caught chewing on microphone. Mm. That is correct. No, um, I fuck it. I forgot what I was going to say. That's okay. It's all right. We got to move on, anyways. Um, we can do that discussion next week, Eric. Since we have seven more weeks of shows to fill. Yeah, we'll do. All right. The other thing to discuss from today is the big thing for NFL fans for today. And that would be the fact that the 2020 NFL schedule was released today, Thursday, May. These days are running together. Seventh? Yeah. Thank you. So I just got, are you afraid of the dark lighting? Hold on, let me fix that real quick. Okay, there we go. Um, And we were kind of talking back and forth about the schedule and stuff and about our teams and our ideas and our beliefs for the schedule itself. But 
I want to talk more so specifically about some of the ways that the NFL favors maybe certain teams and players. And the fact that Tampa Bay went from having won the nationally televised game last year to having seven this year. Well, I mean, mean, there's balance to this. I mean, right now, if Kirk Cousins were to decide to leave Minnesota, he could come right here to Jacksonville and damn it, we'd be 15 and one steamrolling through everything. Just saying, Kirk, you love one o'clock games. We got all of them. (laughs) Just throwing it out there. You guys only have one national broadcast game this year? Only two. The one Thursday night game, which instead of against the Titans, it's against the Dolphins. And then out of that, our only other game outside of 1 o'clock, there's one at like 4.05, but the rest are just 1 p.m. kickoffs. Well, the 4.05 one isn't even a national broadcast because it would have to be a 4.25. Mm. Exactly. So that's why I said 15-1 and easily. As a Bills fan, I'm nervous. And the reason I'm nervous is because we have five nationally broadcast games this year. Buffalo had four nationally broadcast games last year due to flex scheduling. I was only able to watch three of them. Yeah, guess what our record was in the three that I watched? 0-3? Oh 0-3. And three. Oh and three. Well, at least this year you can plan to have a special weekend absolutely ruined. I mean, here, here's the thing about... The, the Tampa Bay thing, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It, it's all about ratings. And, you know, they know that Brady is going to draw in ratings. I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, I would think that there would be a little bit more balance in the way that the schedules are handed out. Like, I get that the networks want the Brady in New England story and the Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City with the this defense of the Super Bowl champions and everything. But he, be that the national the national games were a little bit more evenly divided. I feel like this hurts your smaller market teams by not giving them the opportunity I, to have these national showcases. I feel like oh. I will say, and and maybe between the three, all of them are, but I do feel like they should have a rule where every team has to be on national TV at least once a year. What do you? Why do you think the Thursday games exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is a rule. But at the same time, with as many national broadcasts as there are, I think it should be at least two games a year for every team. Are okay, there well, enough for two? Uh huh. Are there enough for two per team? Absolutely, there are. You're looking at three national games a week times seventeen weeks. That's fifty-two. That's uh, 51 games. That's 102 teams. It's a 32-team okay. league. Yeah. 32 okay. times 2 is 64. Yep. Okay, well, riddle me this. Do you think that is going to be brought up knowing that the television contracts as they are are going to be expiring soon? I would have to think if you're a smaller market franchise like a Jacksonville I mean, before Brady signed like a Tampa Bay, because let's be honest, that's one of the smaller markets. Like a, uh, you know, just the smaller ones that aren't focused on, like a Chicago, like a Minnesota that doesn't get a ton of primetime games. Since when did Chicago become a small market? Okay, the owners are going to bring it up, but if you're trying to really get these networks money, 
especially those like uh, CBS and Fox, because let's face it, they're your main two. You really think it's like, well, if we have to deal with the ratings for these crap teams a little bit more often, we're not going to pay as much. That mm-hmm. has to be a realistic argument. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that, but at the same time, those CBS and those Fox contracts that you're getting are the nationally broadcast Sunday games. You can still put the other teams in the out-of-focus games, the NBC game on t- on Thursday or the Amazon game on Thursday. You probably so want to... you think NBC and ESPN are going to pay more? I mean, as is, we all know how bad ESPN has got shafted Personally, I think that's still a modicum of revenge for Playmakers. I loved that show, but it's like, hey, you're going to have to pay us a few hundred extra million, and you're going to have to deal with this. I'd say ESPN got the best game of wildcard weekend last year. By a teeny bit of dumb luck. No offense. I'm still sad that we lost. Well, I mean... well, I mean, hey, your record against AFC South teams on the road in the playoffs speaks for itself. Just have some sort of comfort and solace that you actually scored a touchdown this time. It's all about baby steps, Harry. Baby steps. Well, the good news is, is if we play if we play on Wild Card Weekend this year, we should be able to host a game because we are the prohibitive favorites in the East. Jason, you haven't said much about the schedule released. A, your thoughts on the Giants schedule. B, your thoughts on the national broadcast argument. Um, the Giants schedule is a fun one. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, about as interesting as my animal crackers. Uh, about as bland as about as bland as the giraffe I just ate. Um, I plan to go to watch them in Cincinnati. Um, I'm trying to get secure tickets to go to the Tampa Bay game. Do Do we play some Lions and Bengals and Bears this year? Oh my! Oh my! We play the. I know we play the Bears. I don't think we play the Lions this year. I knew. We, I know we play the Bears and Bengals, but I don't think I've seen the Lions on the schedule. I don't have it pulled up right. Yeah, right neither now. do I. Um, I mean, I can take a look at it. But the national, the national, uh, the national broadcast. I, I really don't care. Just as long as it's football and TV, I don't care who's playing. I mean, I, I'd watch, I'd watch, I'd watch the the Bengals play the Browns on a Monday night game. I, I just really don't care. As long as it's football on my TV, I'm happy. See, and I think that that's a lot more people's aspect of it than maybe the NFL wants to admit. Granted, some of the smaller market teams maybe don't so, do so well in the overnight ratings, but at the same time, I do think that there is a large group of people out there that are conditioned that if football's on, watch mm-hmm. football. Yeah. Especially when you have some of the contingencies like they're building into the schedule, similar to what they did and what they had to scramble to do in 2001 and like they did in 2011. So the fact that you know the NFL is going to work hard to give you 17 weeks of regular season football and a full playoffs whenever that starts and stops. And by the way, Harry, Caesar Sportsbook came out. You're no longer the clear prohibitive favorite to win the AFC East. 
You think the you think the Patriots are going to go six and ten, Jason? That's what Bleacher Report has them at. It just that Bleacher Report just updated their uh, predictions. I well, I have the ESPN one that I just clicked on. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to look at it when we go off air because it just came out right as we were starting the show with the updated predictions and stuff. So I'm going to look at that later. But it's something that we can definitely talk into season projections next week if you guys want to here in the news and notes section. Yeah. Given what? some of these win totals and how the odds are shifted, yes. One one thing I will say about um, you know, the national uh, the national schedule and and all of that. This year especially, and and as we go further into the summer, you know, we'll see where we're at. But especially this year would have been the year to maybe put some of the smaller market teams on national TV earlier on in the schedule because fans are going to be itching so badly to just watch any sort of sports that I'm sure a lot of us, I mean, we probably... We watch every game that we can regardless, but I think a lot of fans that may not necessarily watch the national games if their team isn't on or or a team that they want to watch isn't necessarily on, they may watch it anyway just because finally we have sports back again. Also, real quick. As longtime listeners of the show will know, I'm going to go back to the point that Eric brought up. And screw you, Watkins. <laughs> last year, last year, I made mention on the show, my girlfriend and I were supposed to watch the Bills and the Steelers game when it happened on Sunday, December 14th. That game then got flex scheduled into a Sunday night game. Christine works Mondays. We weren't able to watch the game last year. Well, guess what the NFL goes and does this year? Pittsburgh in Buffalo, a game that we were talking about going to, and they announce it as a Sunday night football game. You mother. But see, it wasn't flexed. Now at least, at least. Appointment months ahead of time. Yes. <clears throat> She's actually very strongly considering taking that Monday off work so we can still go to the game. <laughs> see, there you go. But see, now they'll, they'll flex. See, see, now they'll flex it out of the Sunday night, which will make it easier. <laughs> Vacation, all I ever want. All right, let's move on. Um, Eric, you talked about the contingencies here. Let's real quick touch on those there. A February 7th date for the Super Bowl, which is earliest it's been in February in quite a while. But with contingency plans to move. Wait, wasn't it just like February 5th last year? Never mind. Forget what I'm saying. Yeah, isn't it normally earlier? Yeah, this is one of the latest. Yeah. All right, well, anyway. um, Regardless. Yeah, I know, right, Jason? What the f***? Indeed. Anyway. um, The February 7th date there, and they said that they were flexible on that February 7th date. In addition, their backup plan, in case bye weeks end up getting postponed, is that every team that was supposed to have their bye week is supposed to would play the same team that they would have played on week two. Like all week two opponents are scheduled to face each other. I'm making a mess out of this. Watkins, help me out here. Okay. The teams that are facing each other in week two have the same bye week scheduled later in the season. And along with pushing back the February 7th date for the Super Bowl by weeks, if not months, whatever is necessary. The schedule is set to where any week 
can be used as opening week. Any games that would be postponed at the beginning of the season would be made up at the conclusion of week 17. And if on the worst case scenario, the NFL cannot complete a 16 game season, they have games to where there are no divisional games scheduled in a couple early weeks of the season. I believe it's two and three or either three and four. Those two weeks without divisional games can be entirely scrapped. And for the first time since 1977, we could have a 14-week regular season. That part I do like just in case, because if we're looking at the Super Bowl in Vegas going up against March Madness or even bleeding into April, you don't necessarily want that dealing with things like ratings or attendance. So I like the fact that they introduced those extra safeguards. Here's one thing I will say real quick. I I definitely agree with you, Eric. But uh, one thing I'll say about what you just said right there. Um, If the NFL season is delayed, especially by that much, I highly doubt we're getting March Madness on time either. Depending on what the NCAA does, because given their situation as far as what they're doing with athletes, and even for this upcoming football season, you've not only had conferences like the SEC and Big Ten saying, we'll go ahead and go forward independently, the fact that you've had Big Ten, ACC, and SEC schools and a few others in the Power Five saying we're going to be on track and we're going to get ready to open up facilities, I think the NCAA would be in a more precarious situation. Knowing with where they were at, they may not want to be so quick to take a step back. All right, gentlemen. With that being said, we'll come back to the schedule next week when we talk win totals as well, I'm sure. And maybe we'll focus a little bit more time on like the win totals and everything and the updated predictions on like ESPN and Bleacher Report and all that stuff when we come into next week's episode of the show. For now, we do need to get to our feature presentation for this episode of the kickoff, and that is the greatest of all teams. What we have decided to do, and we kind of talked about this the last two weeks, is we are going to choose an offensive and defensive player to represent every team. What we will then do, what we will then do is at the end of this, if you guys want to, we can pick one player to represent each division. And once we get the Facebook page set up, maybe put it out to vote for who each play, each person thinks would be the best player from each conference as far as like with the divisional representatives. Yeah. Just a way to expand yeah. this kind of conversation while there's no football to actually yeah. discuss. Of course. We'll talk about that more off air, but at the very least, we are going to give you guys eight weeks of us picking the greatest of all teams offensively and defensively for each team. We are going to start this week in the NFC North, which as everybody knows is Dallas, Philadelphia. Nah, I'm kidding. It was a callback to last week when I screwed that up. It's Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, and Detroit. Um, I'm going to start with the obvious one here. We're going to start offensively in Detroit here because I think this is the one where we all agreed, although there were honorable mentions to be made. Uh, it was Barry for me, Eric. Yep. Barry Sanders had to have been. 
Brandon? Yeah, Barry Sanders with a honorable mention for Calvin Johnson. Jason? Yes, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with uh, Matthew Stafford. Oh wait, no, Barry Sanders. <laughs> I think that's pretty much a consensus. Yeah. All right, so I mean, obviously, the NFL's all-time leading rusher when he retired, later passed by Emmitt Smith. Don't look at uh, me like that. It's actually accurate. He was. He was either number one or second to Eric Dickerson. No, uh, the all-time no. rusher? No, he was one season short of sweetness. He would have only needed about 1,500 or not even that many yards. That's why everybody was like, wait, what? Why am I, th- why am I thinking that he was the all-time leading rusher? Well, regardless, Emmitt Smith's now the NFL's all-time leading rusher. Sanders is still in the top five all-time. Mm-hmm. And Sanders and Sanders played minimum at least three or four seasons fewer than anybody else in the top five. Sanders walked away in the prime of his career. It is almost embarrassing to think what Barry could have done if he'd have stuck around for a few years, but he decided to get while the getting was good, Michael style. Or in the case of Detroit, get while the getting was bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that too. Before. I mean, Megatron basically did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He retired early, too. He was like, nah, I'm sick of this shit. I'm out. Exactly. Everybody in the shadow of Bobby Lane, the one key player who could lead Detroit to a championship, even if it was 1957. All right. So we're going to go to the Lions defensively here. And I think you all know where I have to start here, because when I saw this pick, I was like, what the? Bisco? Yes. Yeah. So. I'm going to go more modern, and I'm going to go with a very um, controversial pick, I guess you could say. But, I mean, he is really the only big-name Lions defensive player in, you know, especially in recent memory. But, you know, even going further back, there, you know, the Lions haven't really had many big-name top defensive guys. So I'm going to go with Ndamukong Sue. Yes, he had a very rocky career with uh, the Lions, but he helped that defense immensely even when even when they were terrible. I'm like 90% sure Ndamukong Sue kicked Brandon in the head to get him to select him. I mean, as someone who is a little bit of a historian and as someone who has admittedly watched various programming, including full games and episodes of This Week in Pro Football from the 60s and 70s. Hate to admit this, but he's not entirely wrong. He's not. I have I have a name selected here. I don't know if I announced it in the group chat, but I have a name selected that I'm going to wait and go last for because I'm curious to get your guys' reactions to. Um... Eric, who do you have for your Detroit Lions defensive player? I mean, for this one, I really couldn't, as much as I was trying to veer away from Sue, going back to way, way back in the day, I legit could not find anybody. I see. Pretty much. 
Yes, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Going back, it's like 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s. I'm... Hell, you can barely find anybody on that 57 team. Mm-hmm. I'm highly disappointed in you, Eric. Are you picking Indomitian? Like I said, he Rabisco had a point for this one. I didn't want to give it to him. I tried, but it's like... Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jason? I can see it. <laughs> Jason? I'm, um, unfortunately, I actually am a historian of NFL, and I'm going to go back to a feared lineman out of the University of Pittsburgh that was enshrined in Canton, and I think he was put in in 73. Yes, he was in the class of 73. He not only was a all uh, all pro 10 years straight, but a superior superb field leader, elected to the pro pro bowl two 10 straight years, 55 through 64, team captain 9 years, Lions MVP for four four times, and that is the lovely linebacker out of the great state. Oh wait, no, not the great state of Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. Eat shit, Pitt. But I'm still going to go with Joe Schmidt, six foot, two hundred and twenty pounds, all American, who not only anchored that defense, also went on to coach the Lions two years after retiring from the uh, NFL. Ah. Oh. I don't know. I wouldn't even say he was more feared, especially back then, because you had guys like for the Packers, who I will be discussing later on. Unless we forget, that was also pretty much the peak of the Monsters of the Midway in Chicago. Mm -hmm. While I'm not diminishing his stat, if you're looking at the black and blue division, he was deep on those depth charts. All right. But we're we're not going by division. We're going by team. I know we're going by team, and I'm saying, yes, for the team, I could even argue that even with his reputation within the team, yes, I could go Joe Schmidt, but even with the greater rep, uh, reputation, even though he did stomp on a couple people, Sue was like, okay, get me the hell away from that guy. For Joe Schmidt, it was like, okay, this Another one the, the the uh, the honorable mention I have is a name that we all should know. Don't the, say your name. Don't say your name yet because it might be mine. Because mine's actually yeah. a more recent player. No, this is not a recent player. He he went. Uh, is yours from? from the, mine's from the nineties. A six-time Pro Bowler, no. four-time playoff participant. Led the team in tackles from the linebacker position four years. No, this is a um, this the my honorable mention is a enshrinement class of twenty ten. Who is going to be a name that we all should re- recognize? Who played cornerback for the Lions? That's Mister Dick LeBeau. Oh, 
Oh, come on. I saw those games where Dick LeBeau played. Even when he was there and ever-present, those teams were crap. Lest we forget the 77 team that he was on and he intercepted Burt Jones playing against Baltimore. Yes, they nearly cost Baltimore the division in a playoff spot, but they managed finishing, what, 6-8? and eight? Sweet. Jesus H. Christ. I love getting Eric crowd up. Oh. You, do have, you do have him pretty fired up. I'm curious to see how he responds to my pick. You ready, Eric? Oh, just I am so <laughs> glad that I had rum tonight. Go ahead, I, Eric. I, it is not a secret that I hate Ohio State, but I cannot deny the motor that this man had. He was Mr. Lions defense for those 90s teams. My pick for Detroit is Chris Spielman. Mm. Not as fired up, but again, you're talking outside of the days to where Rodney Pete and Eric Kramer were leading them to playoff appearances. Uh, Mediocre-ish. Let, let's just all agree that the Lions have never really had that great of a defense. Yeah. Well, speaking of teams that don't really have any major defensive standouts, we might as well move to Minnesota yeah. next. Which is ironic Ooh. because they had a great defense in terms of overall, in it, terms of the it, system. There is a potential all-time NFL defensive player on that team right now in Daniil Hunter. Yeah. Puts However, in. I think we can all agree that he does not have enough experience no. for him to be on our greatest of all teams. No. Mm-mm. Let's start offensively in Minnesota because that's the obvious place to start. I know me and Eric agree on this one. I don't remember who Brandon and Jason chose, so I'll start with Jason. Uh, For Minnesota? Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm taking... Uh, AP, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the greatest running backs to ever play. Yeah. I, yeah, I have to agree with uh, Jason AP. See, me and Eric go back into the 70s. And 60s, actually. And the franchise's Super Bowl years. 18. And the starting... And the starting quarterback for those Super Bowl years in Fran Tarkleton. I was just about to say, are you taking Tarkleton? Yep. The mad scrambler Tarkenton. Tarkenton. And shame yeah. on the two of you as Giants fans because you had him yeah. throughout the end of the 60s and early 70s. And he was the one throughout that incredible playoff drought that got you the closest to that uh, division title in the... I think that year was the Capital Division mm. in 70 mm-hmm. when you went 9-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Here's my question here. We have a split down the middle here. Uh, what would be the, mod- what would be the uh, tiebreaker? Ooh. I mean, if you're looking at success franchise-wise, it has to be Tarkleton because of the fact that he, has mul- he had multiple Super Bowl appearances, whereas Peterson never led his team to the Super Bowl. Not I, like, I, will I, think say Peter, this. I think Peterson has an NFC championship game, but I know mm-hmm. he doesn't have a Super Bowl. No. I will say this, though. 
if you were looking at both eras that Tarkenton played, you had star quarterbacks, but it was not necessarily a real quarterback passing heavy league. He went ahead and was one of those game changers, especially in his second stint in Minnesota through the 70s to where you had to plan for. With Adrian Peterson, yes, he was a very dominant talent, but you didn't see too many teams really having to game plan for him. Uh, Yeah, they did. I feel like we're going to have to put this to a vote for uh, non, like non-show members. I think, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think the W2M chat should break the tie. That's fine with me. Yeah. We can announce the winner next week on the show. That yeah, works. That's, Sounds good. I think, I think because I think we have enough football enthusiasts in that chat with Sean, Robert, and everybody else that they would – they, I think we could get a, a fair a fair decision out of that, and I think any tiebreak should be done through the WQM okay. chat. And that's fine. And we'll bring the results from the chat onto the show next week. That works for me. All right, let's go to let's go to Minnesota defensively. I thought about this one for a while because there is really no standout great defensive player in Minnesota's history, but there is a pretty good one that I found was a multi-time Pro Bowler in the '90s as well. Uh, mine actually changed. Uh, um, I forgot. I, I forgot this is, for some reason. Mine. I had somebody picked, and because this, the person that I'm actually choosing completely slipped my mind until today. I'm, go- I'm going with somebody who played 11 years in the NFL. Eight of them in Minnesota. The final three in Seattle. I'm going with John Randall. Mm. He played 10 years with the Vikings. Vikings, and that is also my pick. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was nine in Minnesota, and then three in Seattle. He played ninety to two thousand in Minnesota. Oh, okay. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, ten years. And uh, a cool thing about him that I just learned while researching this today: he is one of the few undrafted free agents to ever be elected to the Hall of Fame. Hmm. So, me and Jason are both on with John Randall. Eric, who you got? Nine-time Pro Bowler, NFL MVP, and arguably the anchor of the Purple People Eaters defensive line in the 70s, whom all four were once elected to the same Pro Bowl, one Allen Page. Okay, Good, good pick. Yeah, I mean that purple I mean, people that purple people leader defense is one that people still talk about today as one amongst the all time greats. Them, mm-hmm. the Steel Curtain in Pittsburgh, the Green Bay defenses back in the sixties when Starr was running running the show there that led them to back to back Super Bowls at the start of the Super Bowl era. He is that he was actually the first defensive player to ever win the MVP award in nineteen seventy one. That's a solid pick, Eric. Mm-hmm. Bisco, who you got? I'm going with Jason's original pick, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, two-time sack leader, NFL record four career safeties, one Jared Allen. 
And that that would be that was my original pick, and I think that deserves an honorable mention. I mean, Absolutely. I'm, but given the fact of our official votes here, I think we can all agree that it goes to John Randall. Yeah, since it's two, two, to one. yeah, two, two one, 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 one yeah. due to the multiple votes for Randall. Yep. yep. Okay, so we have we have Barry Sanders, Nadama Kinsu, Nadama Kinsu, which is going to irk me, but fine. We have the vote to be decided between Adrian Peterson and Fran Turkington. And then we have John Randall so far for Minnesota. Let's save Green Bay for last, as they're probably the marquee program from this division. And it will spark a debate. And let's instead go to Chicago right now. I believe offensively, this was unanimous. It's Walter Payton. Yep. Sweetness all the way. You got to be special to not have just one, but two different awards named after you. I'm going to throw out an honorable mention to Brian Piccolo. I'm going to say my honorable mention is going to be Sayers. Yeah. I got to go with Sayers. Hashtag 18 inches of daylight. And and that man meant it. I I, I, I mean, I think think that the the Peyton Sayers debate, I mean, you're going to, everybody's going to lean. Uh, Peyton, mm-hmm. but Gail Sayers was, I mean, he was a phenomenal, pure athlete. And, so I think, I think, I think that one, I mean, um, you can't deny Walter Payton, but I mean, you, without even, um, you have to throw Sayers name in there mm-hmm. just, just for discussion purposes. I yeah, think it, the problem, it, I I'm sorry, Eric, but real quick here. I think the problem for Sayers is the fact that he played in an era where maybe football wasn't as popular as it was in the Walter Payton era. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I will put out one other honorable mention. I don't know if you'd really count him as an offensive player or you know his main role was in special teams, but to probably the most dominant returner of all time, one Devin Hester. From? What? From? Well, is he Eric's from the asking, U? Where do you think? It, 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 is he from the U? Yes, he is. Of course, he is. If Eric's asking, where do you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. This I is think this spark- one. I think this one's going to spark the most debate, and I this think one- this is possibly could go in a four-way tie. Yeah, this is gonna, this, this is going to be interesting. This one's going to be a fun conversation right here. I'll go first because we kind of talked about this one a little bit here. So let me get my statistics in front of me here because I want to make sure that I have them. 1,353 tackles over the course of 182 games played. That is an average of about nine tackles for every game he played in. 41 and a half sacks, 22 interceptions with two of them taken back to the house. 12 forced fumbles. To me, the the ultimate Chicago Bear defender is Brian Erlacher. The man who revolutionized the Chicago defense in the two, in the 2000s. And that is that is a name that should be mentioned in the conversation. And I will I, and I will go next who with a 
what was the a, a name that brings chills to you know to opponents just by mentioning his name and he had one of the most badass names in football when he played for the bears uh and that is mr dick buckus i mean yes i mean that i mean he was the epitome of of the iron man football player i mean he rarely came out of games he inflicted pain on anyone that he he happened to meet in the open field. I mean, without mentioning Dick Buckus in a in a Bears defensive conversation is a travesty. I will completely agree that he's in the conversation. One hundred percent, I mm-hmm. agree. But I think as a more modern fan, such as myself, and and since a lot of this is towards more modern fans. A lot of them are going to side with Erlacher because Erlacher is of their generation. Mm-hmm. Bisco? Yeah, my guy, uh, 29 and a half sacks in his career, 136, or 138 games, three touchdowns for himself. Uh, Hall of, it, both a uh, NFL and WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's who I thought you were going One with. Refrigerator Perry. William the Refrigerator Perry. Yep. Eric, I feel like you're about to break this tie, and I think if I recall correctly in the group chat, you already did. Okay. 1960s All-Decade Team, 1970s All-Decade Team, yep. 75th Anniversary and 100th Anniversary All-Time Team, 8-Time Pro Bowler, Six-team All-Pro, or six-time All-Pro on the first team, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, Dick Budkiss. If you're talking about the monsters of the midway, even when you look to the modern generation of fans who rightfully, very rightfully, mention Brian Urlacher without Budkiss, no single Terry. No Urlacher. The man started the chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually that's actually somebody else that I don't think we talked about that deserves more credit too, and was probably the catalyst on that eighty-five defense that was so dominant. Mike Singletary. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, how funny is it that out of us four, that we left off two predominant defensive players for the Bears and Dent and Singletary in this conversation. Well, that, that just shows not, not discrediting them. Yeah. I think Richard Dent just... was overshadowed. Well, I think Richard Dent was overshadowed by William Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, the same line. According to Bleacher Report, you want to know who the number two defense uh, all-time greatest def- defensive player on the Bears currently sets, according to Bleacher Report. <laughs> Bleacher Report actually did these gimmick, this gimmick. These sons of bitches. They, had, I mean, they they did sporadic. I mean, they just. This is old. I mean, I think this is from 2011. So oh. we're not doing gimmick infringement. But you don't want to know. You want to get a good laugh at who their number two is. This is a name. This is a name that Harry and Brandon will be quite familiar with. Want to take a stab? Stab at it? No idea. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind. 
I'll, I'll, I'll hold up a hand signal. And you... No, really? Really? He is, number, he is the number two rated. Really? Mongo? Those people are on Mongo Michael is the number two. Um, That's like saying Bill Goldberg was one of the best Falcons. And you want to know what's funny? You want to know who's absent from the list? Refrigerator? Yep. What? Wow. Wow. Yes, Refrigerator Perry is absent from the Bleacher Report list. Oh my god! So I, I am now officially putting no credibility. <laughs> yeah, really. But I'm going to tell you something right now, and thanks to John Gruden, we might have a be adding another name yeah. to that by the time his career ends, and that is Easily. Khalil Mack. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Oh, if Khalil Mack continues producing at the pace Khalil Mack is producing at currently. I think that even our pick, because with two votes for Butkus, he ends up taking the award here. But if Mack can, can continue contributing at the pace that he has been contributing at for these last two seasons in Chicago, there is no doubt in my mind that he'll go down as one of, if not the greatest Bear defensive player of all time. Mm-hmm. At the very least, he's already proven that the chain continues. Just Yeah, I mean, it, it just right shows, now. you know... It just shows how dominant the Bears' defense has been throughout the years, considering how much of a history we just talked about about you know the you know the monsters of the midway, Butkus, uh, Fri- Fridge. You had Erlacher in more modern times. Now you have Khalil Mack. Throughout the generations, they've always been able to get a dominant defense. They've always had a dominant defensive player. Well, yes. They've, they haven't really had a dominant offensive player ever since ever since uh, Peyton retired yeah. back in the mid-80s. But what, whatever, I mean, did we not – can we not talk about the greatest quarterback of the 85 Bears in this conversation? No, sit, sit down, Jim McMahon. Nobody cares about you. Look, you lost credibility when you called Doug Flutie America's midget, okay? Yeah, just just mm-hmm. sit on down. You're just and, a shorter, be spectacle Jack on cannon, okay? So and just, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. Uh what just to go with the um refrigerator Perry um thing, um uh, I think I think he wins honorable mention strictly because of his role in the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one person we did forget, Smoking Jay. Nah, never mind. No, he was too lazy and unmotivated to even be married to a reality TV star. So what does that tell you? Okay, real quick, real quick, real quick here, real quick. I I do have one quick question here. Actually, well, let's wait until after Green Bay because it kind of ties into the division as a whole. Okay. Green Bay offensively is going to be fun because I think we talked about this in the group chat. And we agreed it comes down to two people, but it's another generational battle. I'm going to go back to I'm going to go back and kick it old school here, and I believe Eric agreed with me. I agree I with you as well. 157 games as a starter with a with an all time record of 94, 57, and six. 24,718 
passing yards in a time where the NFL was not all about throwing the ball. At all. Nope. At all. 152 touchdown passes, but admittedly 138 interceptions, which is a little high. But the other person in this discussion has numbers that are just about the same when you think about it. More so in some cases. Yeah. Because if I'm not mistaken, until he was just recently passed for the all-time touchdown record, didn't he hold the record for most touchdowns and most interceptions yeah. all time? Yeah, he held yes, both he of them. Did. And he still has the interception record because that hasn't been broken. Not if if Jameis Winston was still uh, starting, he might have a chance to. I mean, uh, he's in New Orleans, so... Jameis Winston's going to have to play another decade to even come close, though. True. My pick for the greatest offensive packer of all time, with honorable mention to number four, is Bart Starr. See, ah, uh, this is where this is where we differ. Uh, I, I've got to go with the 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 biggest mistake the Atlanta Falcons ever made, who landed a eleven time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, three time first team, three time NFL Most Valuable Players, Sportsman of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, four time pass, four time NFL passing touchdown leader. Uh, two-time passing yard leader. His number's retired. He's not only in the football, uh, he's going to be enshrined in Canton as well as the Packers Hall of Fame. The uh, quarterback from the 100th anniversary all-time team and the Southern Miss Golden Eagles number four retired his number, and that is Brett Favre. I can't entirely blame that on the Falcons. Brett Favre, he clashed with Jerry Glanville. He wanted out. I mean, he was going to have time, maybe actually, especially since they were going through changes in the 90s. He was going to get a chance to step up and play, but he was too much of a malcontent. And yes, ESPN even did an episode, Five Reasons You Can't Blame the Atlanta Falcons for Trading Him to Green Bay. That was all him. So, Falcons fans, I'm on your side on that one. Just this once, but I got you. <laughs> and Brandon so and with Eric, the Rona. Me and Eric are both with Bart Starr here. Bisco, I'm pretty sure you're team Bart Starr as well. Yes, I am. I I definitely have to give Boo. an honorable mention to, Bar, uh, to Brett Favre. You know, I'm sure if, well, I don't know who my dad would uh, pick out of those two. I was gonna um, say I, I thought he was gonna say I don't know who my dad is. I was like, well, that goes that that took a dark turn. I'm this is a much- say, can we get a road trip or get a flight up to Connecticut to be on an episode of Maury? <laughs> but you are not the father. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, obviously Brett Favre was the quarterback I watched as a kid. My dad being a big Packer fan and everything in the nineties. Uh, but you know, without what your dad's just Mr. Wisconsin, isn't he? Well, he, he grew up in Wisconsin, so my condolences, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, Bart Starr without those teams, Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, uh, you know, the Super Bowl trophy is named after Lombardi without those teams and without the impact they, that they had in the first couple of Super Bowls, 
I don't know if, you know, we'd be where we are uh, with the NFL. So not only in terms of numbers, but also in terms of the impact that he had and the Packers teams of that era had in the N- for, for the NFL. You gotta go with Bart, Bart Starr. Obviously, big honorable mention to Brett Favre, basically 1A and 1B, but yeah, I have to give with, it to Bart Starr. With, 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 with Favre being 1A, of course. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, he's 1B. Lest we forget, the <laughs> reason why Lombardi has all those championships and only lost one, look at who he faced in that 1960 NFL championship game. With Chuck Bednarik, Norm Van Brockman in mm. Philadelphia, you don't have Bart Starr on all those teams, even right before the Super Bowl era, going up against guys like Otto Graham and mm-hmm. Jim Brown and Johnny Unitas. Sorry, we don't have that dynasty. You can only go to the deep, darkest depths of Dave Damashek's mind to play what if in that case. You don't have it. I'm nope. sorry. I got to give the nod to Star yeah. over Favre for that one. I would argue that it's closer for Favre and Star than it would be for Sanders and Megatron. Oh, yeah. definitely. This is yeah. probably one of the closest one-two uh, battles that we will because, have out of any of these. Because as good as as good as Calvin Megatron Johnson was. He did not have ne- he did not have nearly the overall success that Sanders did as the running back in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Sanders had four playoff appearances. I think Calvin Johnson had one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the one. Yep. Which is unfortunate that a man of his talents was only able to see the postseason one time. Because let's be honest, I think we can all agree here: Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders are probably one A and one B for best players to not have a Super Bowl ring. Mm, no. Damn no. Yeah, uh, Marino <laughs> kind of blows them out of the wall. Yeah, I would well, take. I would take. I would take Sanders over Marino. And we would drug test you. Yes. I. We if I blasphemer in our midst of heretic, I say. <laughs> if we had to pick one player to start an NFL franchise, and I had the option between Sanders and Marino. I would take Sanders. I'd take Marino easily. Yeah. Depending depending on what era we're starting. If we're starting in the eighties, uh I would take Sanders. Yeah. Starting in today. Starting today. Starting today. Marino. I would take I would take you gotta Marino. Think that you gotta think that their careers were pretty parallel except mm-hmm. for the fact that Marino played a few years after Barry retired. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, bro, Marino only got a teeny bit of a head start, and I'm sorry, who in 1991 signed, at the time, the richest contract in NFL history, so much so that that moment was quoted in a Drake song? Who was that? Who is part? Who is a part owner of an NFL team currently? Sanders owns part of the Lions? No. No. Doesn't Marino doesn't no. Marino have stake? Yeah, he has stake and he was while he was working at CBS mm. and kind of like early in the middle days offered a very high profile Dolphins job that he had for like 10 minutes. <laughs> All right, let's move over to defense here and this is I think going to 
spark a little bit of a debate, although after uh, reading the name that you guys mentioned, I, I think I may have erred in my ways. I think yeah. I thought this was a unanimous. Yeah, I think I may have erred in my ways because my original pick for this discussion was linebacker Clay Matthews. Uh, yeah, yeah, that. that yeah, um, I, I'll take the lead on this one for us, guys. Uh, I, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the the biggest free agent uh, circus that occurred when he left Philadelphia, and that would be the Reverend Reggie White for a thousand. No, who was the Minister of Defense? Mm-hmm. I was waiting for somebody to use the actual nickname, the Minister of Defense. Yep. Not well, to mention, we're completely ignoring his uh, USFL career for Birmingham. Yeah, I'm going to admit that Reggie White completely slipped my mind when we had this discussion originally. And if he so, hadn't have blasphemy. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people don't really. Uh, when they think Reggie White, they think of his Philadelphia days over his Green Bay days. Maybe and that's that's what, uh, that's what throws those people off on him, and because um, I was talking to one of my really good friends, and we was talking about Reggie White, and he kept talking about his Eagles days, and I was like, yeah, but that was, I was that wasn't his best days uh, in the NFL. I said, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, he he signed with the Packers." I remember the Sports Illustrated cover having him standing there, and they had you opened it up, and it had a sheet of all the. It had a sheet of thirty-two, the thirty-two teams. Well, wasn't thirty-two. It had all the team jerseys on the inside in a leaflet that you know you could just put like paper jerseys on, trying to guess guess where he was going to sign, and they had, like, some kind of contest for it. Hmm. Maybe oh, it... God. And even in those... Because that was early, early, like, our expansion year in Jacksonville and one of the Sunday night games on TNT, and it was just, like, looking at that even now, 25 years later, I'm like, we were lambs to the slaughter that night. That was just not fair. Hmm. I think it's because of a combination of, you know, I'm younger than you guys and also the fact that, you know, I, I was originally a Packer fan as a kid. Uh, you know, I I automatically think of him as a Packer. I don't even, you know, think of him as an Eagle. And it was, and it was the Memphis Showboats, Eric. Thank you, because I thought, because I could have sworn it was one of those teams, for my mind, I thought it was Birmingham, but... Thank you for correcting me. Was yeah. And I'm going to throw this out there, and I just learned something I did not know. Did you know he played? He played a year for the Panthers. Was that at like at the end of his career? What it had to have been. Yeah, I remember. I, I do remember he, that. He, he he left in '98 at Green Bay. Took two years off and played the 2000 season for the Panthers. Yeah, I remember and that I now. You, he was probably the best player on that Panther defense anyway. <laughs> yeah, he was. And he he, was. He, he he appeared in two professional wrestling events. Yeah, wasn't he in... Was that in WCW? He was in, he was in WCW a couple of times, yeah. I think. He was in WCW once, but his first one... Was he was, was part of LT's, LT's 
Oh, right. WrestleMania 11. Right. Yes. And um, he he wrestled. uh, Oh, I did not know this. He wrestled only one match. Does anyone want to guess who it was against? I want to say Tatanka. Nope. It was in WCW. Was it against um, Mongo? That is correct. I remember that now. Wasn't that in like ninety six? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Okay, I knew it was one of the one or the other. Yeah, that is that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they had like a whole Packard versus Bears rivalry like thing. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, it was it was it was pretty funny. So um so so just to recap recap us, Harry. Who we we got to we got only we got one. One tiebreak only. Is that correct? Yep. The only tiebreaker we have is Adrian Peterson or Fran Tarkenton from the uh, from the Minnesota Vikings. Overall, it's going to be Barry Sanders and Indomitian Two. I'm visibly rolling my eyes at this for the people listening at home. For the Detroit Lions, <sighs> John Randall on defense for Minnesota. Do you mean on offense? Oh, wait. Oh, no, you're right. Okay, okay, sorry. Walter Payton for offense for Chicago. Dick Butkus, which is appropriate because you were kissing yours goodbye if you were facing him. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it. I want to say it was like the mid-50s for L.A. The one dude died on the field after a Butkus hit. I could see that. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. He's legit. That happened. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I can see that. <laughs> and then Bart Starr for the Packers on offense, which Boo. Jason is rolling his eyes at. The Minister of Defense, Reggie White on defense. All right, let's wrap this up with one more that I'm going to throw at you as a curveball live here on the show. If you had to pick one, is it Papa Bear? Is it Lombardi? Who would you want as your coach? Lombardi. Lombardi. We're going to make him put a seal here. We're going to put a seal here. Oh, God. Anybody who can go into like eight hours talking about the intricacies of blocking on one play, Lombardi. Lombardi. Um, I, I, I would have loved to have seen like what Papa Bear Hollis could have done in the current situation. Oh, lest we yeah. forget, the team that had the biggest, that gave Alice his biggest defeat ever as coach of the Bears. You would never guess. Um, no. I wouldn't. Anybody? Cleveland. No. Detroit? No. Robert Taylor, you're welcome. The Kansas City Chiefs. How dare you speak his name? 66 (laughs) to 23. And that was after the Bears had won the championship in 63. (laughs) Kansas City was like, we'll play you. It's all right. Bam. Took them to the shed. All right, so, 
That's going to wrap up the NFC North. We are going to take this conversation once we have a winner for the Minnesota Vikings on offense. We will take this conversation to the Facebook page for the kickoff once that gets established here. And we want to get your guys' thoughts on who you think is the best defensive player on offensive player of all time out of the teams that are currently located in the NFC North. We'll have the AFC North next week. That will be Baltimore, Ravens only. Cleveland stays in Cleveland. The Colts are part of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, both pre-move and post. Although mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that that's going to come pre-move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's. I think that one's pretty much unanimous offense. Um, I yeah. would have to think so. I mean, it's, yeah. the man, it's the man the team's named for. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that hard of a concept yeah. to figure out. Mm-hmm. Always the different. Yeah. You have the right ideal, but no. <laughs> well, I know that he was one of the main people behind Cincinnati as well. Yes, but the, yeah, he was the main person behind Cincinnati, but. Well, if they're not named for him, they should be. <laughs> oh, have we said a rule? I think you mentioned this last week, but we can't use yeah. to, can we use the same player for multiple teams? No. no, you have okay. to pick a different player, which means Reggie White cannot Can be, your be Philadelphia a Philly. That's why I was asking. Um, Eric, I think I might know which way you're leaning on Philadelphia Defender now, since you mentioned him specifically by name during this episode. We'll see if I'm right when we get to Philadelphia once we head to the NFC East in two weeks. Okay. But speaking of which... Two weeks, we come back with the NFC East. After that, will be the AFC East. And then we will pause at the four-week mark and give you guys our sports updates. The show that Eric was discussing where we talk about new rules for potential livening up of professional sports. As as well as the fallout to everything COVID-19 related, like Brandon was discussing a couple of weeks as well. In addition, we'll talk to you guys. Hopefully, we can get some... Some conversation going with you guys as well. Maybe we'll do an episode of Ask the Kickoff down the road too. But for now, your focus going forward for the next three weeks will be the AFC North, the NFC East, the AFC East, and then the fourth week will be the pause in the middle for new rules and sports update. Jason, where can people find you Oh, you can find me, um, hit me up on Twitter at TurkerGlue822, uh, any fantasy football-related question, or just uh, shoot the breeze concerning any fantasy football question or NFL question, hit me up, love to talk. Uh, I'm becoming more social with my Twitter, so uh, follow, shoot me a message, any questions. Hell, if you want, uh, anybody got Madam 20? Uh, shoot me a message, add me a Twitter, shoot me a message. Maybe we can get on and um, I can kick your ass at Madden. It doesn't matter. Uh, so at TurkerGlue822 on Twitter. Bisco, where can people find you online? They can find me online at Bisco NMB Chiefs. And uh, if you want to go find me on Facebook, uh, just look up my name and you'll be able to find me. 
Eric, where can people find you online? Since I'm no longer allowed to mention the betting process, Harry, you can find me on Twitter at Squid Sports Head. You can also find me on Facebook. Look for Eric Watkins. Again, if you don't see the cartoon man in the Jaguars merch holding the wine, you've got the wrong guy. And you can also find me on the various shows throughout our fine network, as indeed, as promised, Soccer to the Max has made its long-awaited return. In addition, you can talk to Eric about finding more information about his dark pages by messaging him at Squid Sportshead. Slide into my DMs. You can, like I said, go through the vetting process. And if there is enough conversation, I can probably stimulate an After Dark version of Ask the Kickoff. Just be warned. Folks, you don't want that, especially if we want to sponsor. I'm just saying. That's why I said specifically After Dark. It can get a different sponsor. I've got some ideas. <laughs> We're going to end up on many vids. I can see it now. <laughs> You can find me online at HEB the Eagle on Twitter and Instagram. I admit I barely use both of those, but regardless, I'm Harry Broadhurst on Facebook. You'll look for the picture of me and my girlfriend. I believe it's the one that was taken on the campus of Penn State University. I'd have to check the picture and make sure of that, but I believe so when I went up to visit the Penn State Hall of Fame up there. But that's the best way to get a hold of me. Send me a message. Feel free to talk sports, talk wrestling, talk whatever you want to. I'm always available. Just shoot me a message online so for the uh, i still want to call him the chairman but i can't well i guess technically he's more of a chairman now than he ever was that is correct i'm the i'm the la parka isn't he the one that died yes i'm i'm assuming the mantle ah you're picking up where he left off rest in peace junior Anyway, for the not-so-silent owner, Jason Teasley, the squid, Eric Watkins, and damn it, Bisco, Brandon The, gar- the garden gnome, Brandon Bisco. <laughs> <laughs> if you see his picture on Facebook, you'll understand what we're talking about. He, he, he seriously does look like the Travelocity, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Hey, uh, we keep you to get great deals. <laughs> I, all I'm, I'm going to say, I think he looks like the uh, Dollar Dollar Tree version of Brawny. <laughs> uh, it's better than the Grizzly Redwood reference off there, though. I'll just say that much. <laughs> for Bisco and his Star Wars jammies, I'm Harry Broaders. Thanking you for listening to this episode of The Kickoff as we gave you our greatest of all teams, NFC North. We'll see you guys next week for our greatest of all teams, AFC North. We are a presentation of the W2M Network, which is online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Travelocity has deals for you. Thanks for <laughs> everybody. We'll talk to you next week here on The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network. <laughs>